you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. Streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from you. My email address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. We've got a voicemail set up where you can leave your questions or comments at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So for many years, I always opened the morning, uh, the Monday morning broadcast with a recap of the Sunday news shows, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox News. But that has become a useless and worthless exercise in the age of Trump. You could watch each and every minute of all three shows and not hear a a single new original idea or fresh take on any of the happenings of the previous week. They are either the most unimaginative, um, follow-the-crowd type of people in the world, or they are coordinating. I'm convinced uh, that somewhere, either in the upper echelons or management or in the actual hosts of the show, they decide uh, what is going to be discussed and what is the acceptable spectrum of discussion. What is the uh, uh, the window that they're allowed to um, engage in debate? And the that, that uh, Overton window right now is basically the Democrats' talking points. In the age of Trump, they will just uh, take the Democrats' talking points and attack this administration. And, uh, you know, they they may throw a little bit of uh, um, criticism at the Democrats, but it's nothing that really gets to the bottom of exactly what's going on here. The Democrats are engaged in an attempt to overturn the 2016 presidential election through hook or crook, by hook or crook, and uh, and the the media is just fine with that. There's no questions whatsoever about you know how the uh, the deep state, the law enforcement and intelligence agencies tried to prevent this president from being elected, and then. Uh, cripple his administration once he did, and that they're at it again after two and a half years of this Mueller investigation. They came up with nothing. They're at it again with the Ukraine gate, and all of these Sunday news shows are basically parroting the same talking points that this, you know, that uh, the President of the United States, the chief law enforcement officer in the country, asking about. Uh, what was Ukraine's involvement in the, uh, the misconduct in 2016 is somehow an impeachable offense. And it's gotten to the point now where, I, I, and I don't know how big these audiences are on Sunday morning. I imagine they're, they're huge. But they've become disinformation campaigns, propaganda, trying to drag down this president. And really, the only place you can see a, a, a news show with a 
countervailing point of view is over at Fox Business on Maria Bartiromo's Sunday Futures, which is an excellent show. It, uh, yes, it leans to the right side of the political spectrum, but it also uh, asks tough questions of, uh, of Republicans and members of the administration. But it also explores um, the deeply corrupt and, at this point, um, seditious Democrat Party. So I've got just a few clips. I've got three clips from Maria's show. And the first is old Lindsey Graham. He's responding. <laughs> just last week, he was up on Capitol Hill uh, uh, trying to organize a uh, resolution condemning the president's uh, withdrawal of our our 50 or so troops in that border region in Turkey. He was up on the stage with the loathsome Richard Blumenthal and other Democrats condemning this president. And now that the Kurds are actually pulling back and it's becoming clear that the, what Turkey is interested in as a buffer zone along its border with Syria, Lindsey Graham is already changing his tune and, uh, and starting to praise the president because it's becoming quite clear that despite all of the, the gloom and doom, uh, prognostications by the establishment, the beltway, uh, elite that uh, this is exactly what needed to happen and that uh, it is coming out um, to prevent violence between two of our allies. One, our NATO ally in Turkey. You can argue whether or not Turkey ought to be in NATO, but if they are in NATO, then we have a treaty that says we're going to defend their interests and requires us to come to their defense militarily if they're attacked, which they are being attacked by the Kurds. And it comes out in the best interest of the Kurds because uh, they do not have to engage in these hostilities or it prevents them from engaging in these hostilities with with Turkey. And all of this is for about a 20-mile buffer zone so that Turkey can have some border security. So here's Lindsey Graham. I, I played you on Friday Lindsey Graham's uh, clip uh, trying to organize this resolution of condemnation. Here's Lindsey Graham just a few days later on Maria Bartiromo's show. Let me tell you where I think we are. Withhold judgment as to uh, what's going to happen in Syria until it's all. Now he wants to withhold judgment. Last week he wanted to uh, put together a motion of censure in the uh, Senate. Now he wants to withhold judgment. All in. I am increasingly optimistic that we can have some historic solutions in Syria that have eluded us for years if we play our cards right. I blame Erdogan for for the invasion, not Trump. But here's what the president told me over the weekend. Here are our objectives. To make sure we have a demilitarized zone between Turkey and the Kurds. The Kurds were the allies who helped us defeat ISIS. They lost 10,000 soldiers. We've lost eight in four years. God bless the eight but it was the Kurds who did most of the fighting. Protect our NATO ally Turkey from elements of the Kurds that they consider to be terrorist. A demilitarized zone uh, occupied by international forces, no Americans, but we provide air power. The president appreciates what the Kurds have done. He wants to make sure ISIS does not come back. I expect we will continue to partner with the Kurds in the eastern Syria to make sure ISIS does not reemerge. That is in our national security interest, and we now, 
This guy is supposed to be a great foreign policy thinker. His uh, opinions and that of John McCain have gotten us bogged down in in uh, numerous Middle East wars. Did he not realize that this is what was going to happen? That they would separate, that uh, that Turkey would establish a buffer zone, that uh, the Kurds would pull back from that buffer zone, that the United States would get out, that Russia would uh, come in and fill the vacuum of continuing to keep ISIS under control. Did he not know that? That is, is he so twisted in his uh, his pro um, belligerent attitudes toward war that he couldn't see what would happen if Trump pursued this policy? Now, I, I readily admit Trump is the, not the most articulate um, advocate for his own policies, but Lindsey Graham is supposed to be some sort of a foreign policy genius. And he couldn't. He couldn't see this happening. I saw it. What what would uh, would be the outcome here? I'm just a old retired firefighter, and and I wasn't the only one. Obviously, uh, many of the uh, Trump supporters saw that uh, this would be the outcome. That we would extricate ourselves from the middle of a, a centuries-old blood feud, and that um, they would resolve it themselves. But Lindsey Graham couldn't see it. Go it to the Kurds. The big thing for me is the oil fields. And here we go. Here we go. He's going to try to figure out a way to to get us bogged down and uh, and and um, trapped inside Syria forever by taking control of the Syrian oil fields. And we owe it to the Kurds. The big thing for me is the oil fields. President Trump is thinking outside the box. I was so impressed with his thinking about the oil. Not only are we going to deny the oil fields falling into Iranian hands, I believe we're on the verge of a joint venture between us and the Syrian Democratic Forces who helped destroy ISIS and keep them destroyed to uh, modernize the oil fields and make sure they get the revenue, not the Iranians, not Assad. So here's what, uh, here's what Lindsay's saying right there. We're going to pull back from the border. That's a good thing. I agree with that. And now, and I'm not sure whether or not this is what Trump has in mind or not, we're going to take control of the Syrian oil fields in the north of Syria, and we're going to make sure that the Kurds get the revenue from that. Well, that is a recipe for continued conflict over in Syria uh, and uh, an escalation of a wider war that will most certainly require a bigger commitment of boots on the ground from the United States. I He, he says, Iran, uh, we want to keep the oil from falling in the hands of Iran. Iran has all the oil it needs. They're not concerned. They can't sell all the oil that they've got in Iran. They don't need to take control of the oil fields in Syria. What he really means is we're going to keep the Syrian government from taking control of its own natural resources and we're going to make sure the kurds get that now the kurds have already partnered with the syrian government so lindsey graham as is his long history along with his his uh, mentor john mccain is is already scheming about a, a a way to create a wider conflict in syria if the kurds are already aligning with 
the Syrian government in Damascus, how is allowing this, the Kurds to take control of Syria's natural resources and those oil fields not going to wreck all of that? He never misses an opportunity to, to try to create mischief and, and wider conflict. Here was Maria's response to all of this. Senator, I'm increasingly optimistic he, this could turn out very well. It could turn out very well. This is completely different than what you've been saying all week. <laughs> you have been a staunch uh, criticizer of the president's move to Critic. pull all the troops out of Syria. You said, in fact, on yeah. this program just two weeks ago, if we abandon the Kurds, ISIS is going to come back and that there's right. an attack on our allies. So you've changed your mind based on what you've heard from the president last night? <laughs> He blows with the wind. He just he, he's constantly, you know, looking for uh, new and creative ways to keep America bogged down in the Middle East. But uh, we absolutely do not need. To, I I understand uh, Trump's um, impulse to try to uh, to take control of those oil fields. The president should absolutely not do that. We've got quite enough oil and natural gas right here at home. We don't need to be occupying uh, uh, Syria's country trying to take control of that, and we definitely don't want to uh, escalate a a wider war over there. If you let the Kurds ally with uh, Damascus and Assad, they will both have a common interest in keeping uh, ISIS down and eradicating any remnants of that. And as long as, excuse me, as long as um, Turkey stays inside that 20-mile buffer zone, then we have the, the, uh, the ingredients to establish some sort of stability over there that can satisfy both uh, Syria and Turkey. So we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, how the Washington establishment is more concerned with protecting Syria's border with Turkey, then we're protecting our own border right here in the United States. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries, so there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars, and it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596.
Well, you could not have asked for a more clear demonstration of the priorities of the uh, D.C. establishment than last week. Both, um, well, the entire establishment in Washington was up in arms that Donald Trump was withdrawing about 50 U.S. troops from the uh, from the Turkish border in Syria to get out of the way of a planned Turkish offensive that was going to establish a buffer zone so that uh, Syria could repatriate about 2 million Syrians that they've got uh, refugees that they've got inside their own border and protect themselves from continuing uh, terrorist attacks from the Kurdish PKK. They absolutely melted down over this. You had... um, you had Romney out there saying, you know, that this was going to be a, a, a blood stain on the history of the United States. You had Mitt, uh, you had Mitch McConnell, of all people, writing an op-ed in the New York Times, condemning this move. Now, here's a question you have to ask yourself: One, I'm not surprised, you know, that Mitt is going along with the establishment line that we have to uh, bog ourselves down in endless Middle East wars. But two. Why in the world would Mitch McConnell, if he decided he wanted to publish an op-ed, publish it in the New York Times that that just savages him constantly and repeatedly and the Republican Party is totally hostile to anything to do with the GOP? Why would Mitch McConnell publish his op-ed in the New York Times? If you were determined to publish an op-ed... Um, condemning the president of the United States of your own party for doing what obviously needed to be done over there, why would you take it to the New York Times? Wouldn't you want to take it to the, I mean, if you had to put it in an establishment rag, why not the Wall Street Journal? At least the Wall Street Journal on occasion supports Republicans. What is, is is this some sort of Stockholm syndrome where Mitch McConnell decides the best um, vehicle for his message is through the New York Times? If you look at it, you know, uh, on the opinion pages of the New York Times, you, you've got McConnell's little article condemning the president of the United States bracketed by a whole bunch of other articles criticizing Trump and, and the Republicans. That's unbelievable. If if you're not going to take it to the Wall Street Journal, you could do, you could take it to Breitbart. Breitbart is actually a an outlet that supports the Republican Party. But at the same time, the D, uh, the D.C. establishment was condemning Trump for getting out of the Middle East, just a, a, a tiny little step out of the Middle East. You had the the House and the Senate trying to override the president's veto, basically just stop him from building his border wall. Both the House and the Senate passed uh, resolu- or, um, yeah, passed resolutions nullifying the president's emergency declaration that he's using to build the border wall. Trump vetoed it, and last week, both the House and the Senate tried to override that, and they got, they got majorities in both houses they didn't get a big enough majority to override the veto. But so at the same time, they're so concerned about 
Syria's border with Turkey, they're not concerned at all about what's going on on the southern border. They're trying everything they can to stop this president from building a wall. And this was really uh, sort of magnified because this last week, um, the Mexican authorities, um, the military, uh, I think it was an arm of the uh, Mexican army, captured El Chapo's son, Guzman. And this sent the uh, Sinaloa cartel into a rage, and they basically laid military siege to one of Mexico's city. They were murdering civilians. They were laying siege to police stations. They were outgunning the Mexican army. They were running around uh, with dump trucks basically turned into uh, to armored personnel carriers using uh, anti-tank weapons and 50 caliber machine guns and um, uh, rockets, military-grade weapons. And they laid siege to this town. It was near Cancun. It was a good-sized town. And the uh, Mexican government capitulated and released El Chapo's son. Now, this this is uh, the starkest example we've had that Mexico is a narco state. They're run by these uh, drug cartels. And the way they're making their money is by shipping these deadly drugs into the United States. A good portion of their revenue comes from being the uh, conduit to chip, uh, to ship Chinese fentanyl into the United States, which is killing tens of thousands of Americans. It, in any definition, this would be considered an act of war when you've got a country like China that is uh, adverse to our interests using um, a criminal cartels right on our southern border to ship in this poison that's killing tens of thousands of Americans. These are, this is an opioid. You remember the opium wars, what you learned about the opium wars when France and England got, uh, Chinese people hooked on opium and it was killing people and they fought over who was going to get to provide the opium to the Chinese. This is sort of a, a, a China's revenge for the opium wars. Only they're carrying it out against the United States. Why are the people in Washington not more concerned about securing our border with Mexico? And at what point do we join with the Mexican government to try to wipe out these cartels that have basically declared war on us? And how deeply is all of this drug money from the uh, the uh, drug cartels in Mexico embedded in the, the actual Mexican government? They're absolutely obsessed about Syria's border with Turkey. They're unconcerned to the point of trying to stop this president from doing anything about it, about our own border with Mexico. Here's just a a little clip of uh, what went on down there.
That's a war zone, ladies and gentlemen. You have, we have a war zone right here on our southern border. If the, the Mexican government does anything to try to stop the drugs coming into the United States, the cartels will wage war and apparently, at least in this case and, and in others, they've got the Mexican government outgunned. But the Democrats want open borders. They want to tear down the walls that already exist. They want to stop this president from doing anything about it. Endless wars in the Middle East, good. Securing America's border is bad. You want to know why Trump's got ele- got elected and why he's going to get reelected? Last week was a stark example. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages. On right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. You know, you would think at some point that the establishment in D.C. in both parties would ask themselves, how do I have any credibility to continue to attack this president who is trying to clean up the messes that we have made over the last 30 years. Why would the establishment in D.C. have they no self-awareness at all that they don't realize that they don't have any credibility to talk about either of these issues, either the endless Middle East wars or securing our border. They've gotten us bogged down in these wars in the Middle East that have cost thousands of American lives, not to mention hundreds of thousands of lives, innocent civilian lives over in the Middle East, and cost us trillions of dollars for what? Is the Middle East any more stable than it used to be? No. Is it uh, less of a uh, cauldron to um, to generate terrorism? Well, only recently because Trump went in there and wiped out ISIS. You remember 
in the Obama administration, they were saying that the, the battle with ISIS was going to take 20 years. Donald Trump went in and in the first year in office had destroyed the ISIS caliphate in Syria, had pushed them out of Iraq. Now, he didn't do it himself. It was the U.S. military that did it, obviously. But he, uh, he took the uh, shackles off of our military and let them do their job. But what have we gained from, from these uh, thousands of U.S. lives and trillions in U.S. dollars? Nothing. Yes, we had to go into Afghanistan to get al-Qaeda. We did not have to occupy the place and try to turn it into a Jeffersonian democracy. We should have just we should have moved in with our troops, captured bin Laden instead of uh, turning that job over to the warlords that allowed him to escape into Pakistan and remain on the run for a decade. We should have killed as many Taliban as was necessary to impress upon them that um, allowing uh, foreign or, or allowing terrorist groups a uh, safe haven in Afghanistan was a direct threat to them, and we should have left with promises that if they did it again, we would come back and do it uh, and and uh, do the whole thing over. But we've gotten bogged down in Afghanistan. We've we've overturned the Iraqi and the Libyan government, creating all sorts of unintended consequences, chaos. It's worse than it was. Not better. It's worse. And the establishment in Washington, both Democrat and many Republicans, is starting to become, uh, the Republican Party is starting to become a majority uh, anti-illegal immigration party, but there are still huge holdouts that creates a, uh, a governing majority for open borders. We've got 22 million, probably more, but at least 22 million illegal aliens in this country. And these people that created this, these conditions want to condemn Donald Trump and try to stop him from building a wall. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) And, uh, and you would think that, you know, on these Sunday news shows, well, why don't they ask? How do you uh, have any credibility to comment on the, the these sort of issues at all? So I've got some clips here. Um, we were talking last hour about how uh, Mexico is becoming a, a open warfare narco state, while the, the Washington establishment is trying to prevent us from uh, protecting our border, and. Uh, Let's see. Here was I played you that clip at the top of the show with Lindsey Graham um, admitting that Trump's policy in Syria looks like it probably will work. Here he was just last week uh, promoting the Senate resolution condemning the president for pulling out, uh, those troops out of Syria. And I cannot think of a worse outcome for U.S. national security interest to abandon the Kurdish forces who helped us Force them into the arms of the Iranians. Force them into the arms of the Iranians. We're abandoning the Kurds who are our allies. Well, 
if if every time we ally with a, a group overseas to pursue a common goal and we have to stay there and protect them forever, then we should never ally ourselves with anybody. We should have done it ourselves. And you got to admit Romney on the floor of the U.S. Senate condemning the president for his, act, his uh, withdrawal in Syria. The decision to abandon the Kurds violates one of our most sacred duties. It strikes at American honor. What we have done to the Kurds will stand as a blood stain in the annals of American history. So staying in Syria to defend the Kurds forever, because they never say, you know, what, what, when, under what conditions we can leave, is one of our most, most sacred duties, according to Mitt Romney. How many of Mitt Romney's sons has he sent over to fight and die in the Middle East? Let's see. Let's count them up. None. They're doing their missionary work, you know, um, trying to spread Mormonism. They haven't got time for Mitt Romney's wars, but he's perfectly willing to send other people's kids to fight and die for nothing so that he can maintain his prestige and, and think that his, his honor is defended. Here is, um, here's Trump commenting on exactly the way he sees it and why he decided to, uh, to get those troops out of Syria. So we just spent $4 trillion fighting with Iraq, which, by the way, was the single worst mistake this country has ever made going into the Middle East. Okay? We're there now for $8 trillion, thousands of our lives, and millions of lives on the other side, by the way. Millions. You're talking about millions and millions of lives. But I said, we're going to stand by... We're not going to choose sides. They'll have to go at it. Let's see what happens. The Kurds left. They left. And there was very little combat. And it was a great decision. We could have stayed and fought. Fight the people that we've been fighting for, whether right or wrong. And we left and uh, we watched and nothing happened. And people forget, most people don't even know what I'm talking about because it was a year and a half ago. And even at the time. And nobody got credit for that correct decision. And now I'm sort of an island of one again, but now it's maybe happening again. That 30 kilometers, about 22 miles, strip along Turkey. And the Kurds are tending to leave, and that's good. Let them have their borders. But I don't think our soldiers should be there for the next 50 years guarding a border between Turkey and Syria when we can't guard our own borders at home. I don't think so. So let's see what happens. And it's a long ways away. We killed ISIS. We defeated. We did our job. We have to go home. We did our job. <laughs> you know, I've often said that the problem with the elite in Washington, D.C., most of them are out of these Ivy League institutions, is they're overeducated. There is, there's a thing, a, a, a phenomena that I've observed 
when people get too much education, they go past the truth. So at some point, you've got enough education. You, you understand the circumstances in any, any particular issue, and you can draw the natural common sense solution. But when you become overeducated, it's not good enough that you get enough information to draw the obvious conclusion. And in most cases, these conclusions are obvious. You have to continue to study and you have to come up with new and creative theories that take you past the truth and into the realm of folly. And we've seen it again and again, these Ivy League educated brainiacs that call themselves the elite in Washington have gone past the obvious common sense truth, which Donald Trump is very good at identifying and taking us into the realm of folly again and again and again, whether it be on our border, whether it be our foreign policy or our national debt or our trade policy, again and again and again, they've taken us past common sense, obvious solutions and into the realm of folly because they're overeducated. And even to this day, we finally got a guy who's got a lot of practical real-world experience. You can't be overeducated and build these big high-rises in New York City and in, in this huge real estate empire. That will not work out well. Donald Trump would not be a, million, a billionaire today if he didn't have uh, common sense uh, born of experience. But these people that come right out of these Ivy League institutions with these theoretical, uh, over, overly thought solutions go right into government and start trying this out. They have created the mess we've been in. And now they won't sit down and shut the hell up long enough for someone with good common sense to come in from the outside that we sent there over their best efforts, their most determined Crooked efforts, they won't sit down and shut up long enough to allow him to fix it. They don't want they don't want Turkey to have a, a border on their a buffer on their border. They don't want the United States to secure our border. And you got Erdogan over there. You know the Europeans are throwing a fit because he's going in and establishing this buffer zone so he can protect his border. You've got the European NATO allies all lined up to try to, to condemn Erdogan and Erdogan gave a, a speech recently. He said, if you continue to go down this road, we'll just send these refugees that we're trying to send back to Syria. We'll just send them to you. Hey, Avrupa Birliği. He's saying, oh, Europe, come to your senses. We've spent over $50 billion providing for these Syrian refugees that have been created by these wars in the Middle East. If you want to condemn us for establishing this border zone, we'll just send them to you instead. I don't think that's an idle threat either. But thanks to Trump, we now have, and uh, Vice President Pence and Secretary of State Pompeo, we now have a, a ceasefire. The Kurds are withdrawing from the buffer zone. Turkey is moving in. 
they're saying that they want to set up uh, uh, international observers in the, this buffer zone. That'll never work. United Nations um, can't secure uh, the buffer zone. Turkey's going to have to do that. At some point, Syria and Turkey will have to negotiate terms for Turkey's withdrawal from that buffer zone. But my question is, could we get a 20-mile buffer zone with Mexico? I think at this point, that would be good for the United States to cut down on the uh, the, the drugs flooding in across that border. Could we go into Mexico for 20 miles and establish a buffer zone with our military instead of getting it bogged down in the Middle East? Are there any resolutions in Congress on that? Or are we going to just sit there and allow the narco state of Mexico to continue to flood fentanyl into our country, killing tens of thousands? I think it's a legitimate question. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this message. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as 199 per month call now to schedule your free in-home consultation 800-693-3152 800-693-3152 that's 800-693-3152 Well, Hillary Clinton messed with the wrong girl <laughs> this last week. Um, I think it was on Friday. Hillary Clinton sent out a tweet. No, actually, no, she was appearing on David Axelrod's podcast, and she said that Tulsi Gabbard was a Mexican, or excuse me, Tulsi Gabbard was a Russian asset. Pointed out that uh, that uh, white nationalists have said nice things about Tulsi Gabbard. And accused her of being uh, a, a a mole working for the Russians to mount a third party candidacy to destroy the uh, Democrats' hopes of recapturing the White House. This is Tulsi Gabbard has served uh, over fifteen years in the in the Army National Guard has deployed two um, combat zones worked in. Um, in the hospitals over there, providing health care. And, um, and Hillary Clinton, who has sat back and gotten us into these, these wars that Tulsi Gabbard has had to go and experience firsthand and now wants to get us out of, has the nerve to claim that Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian asset and tries to smear her. This is the old Democrat smear 
oh, um, you know, some white nationalists or David Duke said something nice about you, so you must agree with the white nationalists and David Duke. It's totally cynical. Um, The reason a a lot of uh, white nationalists support or have said nice things about Tulsi is because she wants to get us out of these these Middle East wars, and a lot of uh, white nationalists agree with that. They're not in our national interest. Guess what? A lot of leftists believe in that too. Just because they agree with you that we ought to get ourselves out of Middle East wars doesn't mean that Tulsi Gabbard is sympathetic to their cause. This is a a dirty little trick that uh, the, the media always plays on Republican candidates. They have to spend their whole time denouncing support from the radicals of their party. You never see the Democrats have to denounce support from the radicals on their, uh, the leftist radicals that vote Democrat. The communist party USA endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. The communist party USA is ideologically aligned with the old Soviet union in today's, uh, communist China an ideology that has been responsible for over 100 million deaths in the 20th century alone. Did you ever see any uh, media run to Hillary Clinton uh, demanding that she had denounced the endorsement from the Communist Party USA? No. doesn't work that way. They try to smear any Republican or um, person on the right side of the political spectrum with being, you know, crypto-Nazis. They don't ever do it. Has Bernie Sanders ever been asked to denounce his uh, former statements about the Soviet Union and and Cuba and the communists in in Nicaragua? No. That would be an obvious question. Shouldn't he have to repudiate his own previous support for those regimes? (laughs) But Hillary Clinton messed with the wrong girl. Tulsi Gabbard basically wrote Hillary Clinton's political epitaph. No matter what Hillary Clinton does going forward, she is forever going to be defined by Tulsi Gabbard's statement that she made in response to Hillary Clinton's attack on her. She she tweeted out, Tulsi did, called Hillary Clinton the queen of the warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and the personification of the rot inside the Democrat Party. (laughs) In just a few short words, I think, what do you get, 140 characters on Twitter? Tulsi Gabbard just distilled and perfectly defined Hillary Clinton. By the end of the weekend, Hillary was trying to change the subject and turned around, uh, back around trying to blame the Democrat National Committee for her loss in 2016. This was the Democrat National Committee that she controlled. She, the Democrat National Committee in the 2016 presidential election was a wholly owned subsidiary of the Hillary Clinton for President campaign. But now she's blaming it for her loss in 2016, despite the fact that the DNC basically rigged their rules to uh, to make sure that she was going to become the nominee. <laughs> to their 
uh, to their credit, um, well, I should say only two of the Democrat candidates defended Tulsi Gabbard, despite the the obvious um, dishonesty and just really uh, despicable way that Hillary Clinton attacked her. To their credit, Andrew Yang and Marianne Williamson said that uh, that it was wrong for Hillary Clinton to have said that about Tulsi Gabbard. I'm running out of time, and I want to get some clips in here. Um, here is uh, Tulsi hammering the D- the Democrats and the DNC for uh, for uh, throwing all in with uh, Hillary Clinton. People warned me in 2016 that my endorsement of Bernie Sanders would be the end of my quote-unquote political career. They said Clinton will never forget that she and her rich and powerful friends, her allies in politics and in the media will make sure that you are destroyed. Well, there have been countless hit pieces full of smears against me from day one of this campaign. They've tried to destroy my reputation and my lifetime of service because I stood up to them. I've spent over 16 years of my life proudly serving in the Army National Guard. I still serve as a major today. I volunteered to deploy to the Middle East twice. I've served in Congress now for nearly seven years, serving on the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Armed Services Committee, the Homeland Security Committee, and I am not afraid to openly express my love for our country. But if they can falsely portray me as a traitor, then they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that's exactly the message that they want to get across to you. That if you stand up against Hillary and the party power brokers, if you stand up to the rich and powerful elite and the war machine, they will destroy you and discredit your message. But here is the truth. They will not intimidate us. They will not silence us. We are not here just to protest their corruption. I am running for president to take the Democratic Party and our country back from the corrupt elite. Now, let me be clear. On on most issues, I disagree completely with Tulsi Gabbard. But Tulsi Gabbard is an honorable, reasonable, old-style, anti-war Democrat liberal. She did nothing to deserve this uh, this smearing and vilification by Hillary Clinton and the New York Times and CNN. The reason they're going after her is because we have one party in Washington. They can call themselves Democrats or Republicans, but they are the war party. And Hillary Clinton and uh, Tulsi Gabbard came out with a strong anti-war position. She did it after experiencing these worthless Middle East wars firsthand. Do some people on the right like Tulsi Gabbard because of her anti-war position? Do they, do they express the opinion that that is the type of Democrat that we can uh, accept? Yes. It would be nice if there were some people in the uh, Democrat Party that adopted an anti-war position and were able to, to, uh, to carry that. But because Tulsi... Uh, you know, is uh, a Democrat that could get traction and really implement these anti-war positions. They're all out to destroy her. Oh, and it's not helping her that after the uh, the two-year-long Russiagate investigations where they found 
that all of it was just a put-up job, Tulsi made this statement. But now that Mueller has reported that his investigation revealed no such collusion, we all need to put aside our partisan interests and recognize that finding that the President of the United States did not conspire with Russia to interfere with our elections is a good thing for our country. Because if the president had been indicted for conspiring with Russia to interfere with and affect the outcome of our elections, it would have precipitated a terrible crisis that could have led to civil war. So we should all be relieved that President Trump was not found to have colluded with the Russians. Now we must move beyond this divisive issue. Almost everything that Tulsi said is a, it says is a repudiation of Hillary Clinton and the the uh, corrupt and cynical positions that she takes. That's why Hillary hates Tulsi Gabbard. That's why the Democrat establishment hates Tulsi Gabbard. Because every time she makes a statement, it it uh, exposes and highlights just the rot, as, uh, as Tulsi said, inside the Democrat Party. They feel like they've got to destroy her. She pointed out that, uh, yes, we, we need to move on. Oh, and one other clip I want to play for you before we go. Uh, here is another repudiation of Tulsi Gabbard, of Hillary Clinton by Tulsi Gabbard. We must stand united as Americans, remembering that we are all brothers and sisters, that we are all connected. This is the kind of leadership that I seek to bring as president, inspired by the example of presidents like Abraham Lincoln, who talked about how we should have malice for none and charity for all. When I look out at our country, I don't see deplorables. I see fellow Americans, people who I treat with respect, even when we disagree and when we disagree strongly. I will work to, to restore a White House that represents light and compassion and respect for every American. See, that is a direct repudiation of Hillary Clinton. She, that, that just absolutely must have driven her mad. That deplorable statement that Hillary Clinton made was probably as responsible as much as anything for alienating uh, those Democrat voters in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin that went over and voted for Donald Trump instead. So Tulsi's exposing Hillary. Hillary made these uh, statements attacking her as a Russian asset, and Tulsi Gabbard absolutely wrote... Hillary Clinton's political epitaph, queen of the warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot in the Democrat Party. Well, that's the end of this show. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow, right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Whether you're moving in together for the first time, this can be your closet, or you're a new parent to a little fur baby, Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.